thanks for downloading this episode from Teachers Talk Radio. You can find the full schedule and listen back to all our shows at ttradio.org. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, leading publishers of books, directories, educational guides and magazines aimed at schools in the UK and beyond. Enjoy the podcast. Good evening and welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. This is the Twilight Show with Nathan Ginn. This is Tom in the background. Today we're talking about getting staff while being right. Is staff while being more than just cupcakes and, you know, other things, other nice little delights? Does staff while being have to be more closely embedded within the structures of the school? We're going to be joined by Nathan in just a moment. But of course, we are here today courtesy of John Cat Educational. And Nathan will be telling you more about them. I'm just going to invite Nathan in right now to speak. Nathan is going to come in and then he will be taking it away for the next hour and a half. Fingers crossed anyway. I'm sure he'll be in in just a second. Chris Avatawi. I can see Nadira here, um, who's going to be joining us very shortly. So, Nadira, I'm going to invite you to speak. Uh, Oh, just having a look there. Looks like you might not be listening. Nadira, I'm just going to check if you are. Can you message me if you're listening on an Android device? Um, And then we'll just see how that goes. Um, if you can just drop me a message, because there is a slightly different way that we need to think about it, if that. If not, if you're listening on an iPhone, you can just click that call-in button. Much like any of our listeners, you can call in uh, and you can um, join the space. You can join the conversation. Um, now, tonight, as Tom said, we are talking about teacher uh, teacher well-being and staff well-being, but we're going to be talking about whole staff well-being. Um, we are going to be looking a little bit into uh, talking about, uh, you know, more than cupcakes, I've titled the part, the part at the start of this. What should we be doing that is more than just putting those cupcakes in the staff room? Now, it looks like, Nadira, I can see you've joined us there. Can you hear me, Nadira? Hi, guys. Yeah, I can hear you if you can hear me. There you go. You're coming through loud and clear. And it is a bit of a special for us tonight. We've, we've, we've switched over to spaces, um, but we are hoping to get the same kind of quality conversation, maybe some listeners joining in, uh, talking with us. Um, Now, Nadira uh, Nadira Khan, I should say, you're an AAHT for Staff and Student Wellbeing from an inner London school. I guess, you know, for anyone listening in, if you want to maybe um, give us that kind of little brief, who are you? uh, What do you do? uh, How have you got to where you are now? Tell us a little about yourself. So, evening guys, I hope you're all well. My name is Nadira Khan. I'm an AAHT, as Nathan said, that's an Associate Assistant Head Teacher of Staff and Student Wellbeing in an inner London school in East London. Alongside that, I am also the Deputy DSL, the Senior Mental Health Lead, and a Head of Year. I actually came into teaching in 2011, and I've survived, I think, um, especially now when we're talking about such a topical issue of wellbeing. Um, thoroughly enjoy my job. I've got a lot of experience in pastoral leadership, but I actually came to my well-being role post-pandemic, and we could talk about that more later. Yeah, definitely. Busy, busy, busy times as well. So, you know, a lot of hats you're wearing, and hopefully, you know, we'll be picking apart those different threads. As I say, if you're listening in, you can tweet us. Um, you can uh, call in. You can share em- emojis and, and buttons. I'll, I'll just show you how to do that. Thumbs up if you're agreeing, of course, and all the other ones there as we go through. Now, um, I wanted to kind of start off here, uh, Nadira, talking a little bit about um, recruitment and retention, which is an issue at the moment. We're hearing a lot about it. Um, 
and I'm going to read a little bit from an article from Schools Week that was from Wednesday of this week. You know, actually, it was yesterday. But it said, uh, talking about this launch of a recruitment and retention inquiry, um, they said um, MPs launch uh, teacher recruitment and retention inquiry. The Education Committee is set to investigate the driving factors behind chronic teacher shortages as part of a new inquiry launched today. The new inquiry into teacher recruitment and training and retention in English state schools has been launched by the Education Committee. It comes as schools continue to face huge teacher shortages with high numbers of vacancies at the highest in 11 years recorded in 2021. Um, the government's failed to keep uh, up with its own targets for recruiting secondary trainee teachers, uh, missing the mark by 41% last year. And, and here's the bit that, uh, that I really wanted to focus on. They say this will include assessing how well current teacher training framework prepares new teachers. So I'm going to ask you from the offset here. We're having this kind of uh, big inquiry and it, they've already framed it that um, teachers aren't prepared to get into teaching, do you think not being prepared well enough is the biggest factor that you're seeing in people leaving teaching? Not in all honesty, not at all. It's not about being prepared. Um, I don't think that's the biggest contributing factor as to why people would want to leave the profession. I think what what is the biggest contributing factor is actual schools and actual leadership and actual culture um you know i don't know about you nathan but when we embarked upon our pgc or our skits program no one really sat us down and told us that this was going to be really tough and that this was going to be something that we're going to would impact our physical health and would impact our mental health and i know that the ect framework um does talk about explicitly now talks about mental health and well-being i'm the person who delivers the training for ects uh, and PGCE students but I don't think that's the biggest factor to people leaving the profession and um, it's not about the preparedness I don't think I think there are bigger things that when we come to talk about it have a more of an impact on why people decide to leave teaching and I think we're talking about the post-pandemic years as well people have re-evaluated their lives after the pandemic and teaching unfortunately for some people is something that they don't either want to do or they can't find their purpose for it anymore and I think your per yeah. your purpose is more central to it well I, I you know I, there was something you you said there that really interests me and I've been pondering this as we go through you know and we talk about the different factors uh, that are affecting well-being and teaching itself and you kind of sort of mentioned there about you know on training to you know people should we be saying to them that it's uh you know really hard it's a, a horrible job I like I that worries me that we're, we've got ourselves into a headspace where um we're talking about you know what actually what we need to do is better prepare them for quite how terrible their life is going to be for the next 30 years that sounds like a really bad way to approach this to me that you know like we're kind of going do you know what actually the best thing to do is, is we, we need to warn them more that it's going to be horrible and then that will that will fix the problem i don't know um i wanted to ask you another bit and this, this is where i want to start and if you're listening in in the in the studio in the the space is live with us now um you can join in as well i'm going to go through and this is from um an organization called the cipd they're a professional body for hr human resources right and i want to ask you about these factors they've sort of talked about seven interrelated domains for employee well-being 
So we're broader than teaching now. In, the, in this part that I'm going to run through to start off, we'll talk broader than teaching. Um, but I want to know which ones jump out at you as particularly an issue for teachers and school staffs, and which ones, I think it's interesting as we read through, which ones have we heard the things that schools are doing about, and which ones have we ha that we haven't? Okay, so I'm going to go through, as I said, this from... Um, CIPD.co.uk. Their, their blurb at the start is: We've identified seven interrelated domains of employee well-being, well-being. Sorry, guided by our principles for an effective uh, employee well-being strategy, needs to go far beyond these standalone initiatives. No size, no one size fits all uh, for their strategy. Um, its content should be based on the unique needs. Okay, right, we've done that. Okay, that, that's their blurb. Right now, we're getting to the nitty-gritty. The number one domain is they talk about health. They talk about, first of all, physical health. Now, do you hear of things? Do you think that physical health, so we're talking about health checks, well-being benefits, health insurance, uh, all of these things, is that something that we talk about in teaching that you've heard about? Um, a little bit more since the pandemic, I've heard people's employee assistance programmes offering like GP services, uh, offering like, you know, getting on-the-day prescriptions. I have heard about it. But I don't think that's crucial to educational settings. It may be crucial in other domains, you know, when you're talking about, you know, maybe working for one of the big fours or maybe when you're um, working in a private sector. I think education is making the change, but I'm not sure how much it can make the change with the financial constraints placed on schools. I will say one of the ones on physical health for me, you know, and I think about this, I was ill at the end of term and I did that thing that's typically teachery and I, I didn't get a doctor's appointment until Easter. I was like, oh, wait, I, you know, I will limp on. I will be unwell. I probably shouldn't have been in school. Like, you know, like I, all it was is I couldn't see, but your eyes are quite important. But, you know, like and, and I, I, sometimes I think, you know, that getting an appointment, but I do hear in people's sort of well-being charters and things that they... Um, they will allow people to go for doctor's appointment. I probably could have gone for one. I, th I think that was self-imposed well-being issue on me. I don't know. Do you, like, at your place of work, is that quite, you know, do you feel if you needed a doctor's appointment, would you just be able to get up and, you know, sort of say, I, I, I need to go for a doctor's appointment? Uh, Nathan, I could definitely tell you that um, where I work, especially after the pandemic, so just a little bit about me, I, I was really affected by COVID. I've got an actual lung disease from COVID and my work has been incredibly supportive. And I think it's having the confidence and the dialogue to say, I need this. And it's about your employer and your leadership team saying, actually, you're a valuable resource. And as teachers, we're quite selfless. We always think, you know, I'm sure you were in that mindset, oh, I'm ill at the end, I've got to make it to the end. It, you know, it's probably more bother setting cover but actually, we are the most valuable resource in that room and we need to take care of ourselves. So, yes, I know it's a pain in some schools to get that doctor's appointment, get that half an hour out. But if we want to change well-being, we need to change the culture. and We need to have these open dialogues and we do need to put ourselves first. That does sound like uh, some kind of internalised culture thing that I've picked up from somewhere. That you know that that needs to be changed about me. You know that, but yeah, that must be a big problem for for schools where they're having to change perceptions. Now I'm going to whiz on to this next one because we've got quite a few to get through. There's seven of them, but if you are listening in and you have something to say, we're going to run through. First one is health, and and these factors about school um, staff well-being. These are from broader than just teaching, but we're pulling out the the teacher specifics. The next one's physical safety. Okay, so they give it safe working practices, safe equipment 
personal safety training. I, that to me, I, I don't know. It doesn't strike me as maybe a teaching issue. I can't, I can't imagine that there are situations where teachers are worried about their physical safety so much. I think you, you have to think about it in the context that we're living in. We're living at a time where, you know, last half term, if teachers are listening, um, I definitely felt it. behaviour was uh, not exactly what it normally is. And I couldn't define to you what the norm is. But teachers are concerned about their physical safety around maybe different subjects. So maybe in a classroom-based subject like myself, as an RE teacher in a classroom, I physically feel safe because I'm in a classroom, but what if you're a DT teacher or you're an art teacher or you're a food technician teacher and you've got 30, 32 kids and you've got gas cookers and you've got equipment? There needs to be deep risk assessments done by heads of departments and schools to make sure that schools can run effectively and having the safe equipment and also their own personal safety training is really important, but that's a domain-specific area, really. This show is brought to you in partnership with John Cat Educational, a leading publisher of books, directories, educational guides and magazines specifically aimed at forward-thinking schools in the UK and beyond. Have you checked out their latest releases? Don't miss out. Visit johncatbookshop.com to explore their full range of titles and advance your own professional development today. Happy reading. Yeah, you know, I think no, no, you talk about it in those ways. I am kind of brought in. Certainly, I, you know, I've been when you know uh, primary PE, for example, or outdoor ed in primary, where we used, you know, you'd be guaranteed a teaching assistant, and and it would work, and you'd be doing den building, and and that and that was fine then. But suddenly, you know, we've cut back on the teaching assistant, or they need to run a different intervention. Certainly, there were there, there were times where I start feeling worried, and maybe maybe there is something to be thought about there but yeah that does worry me the next one in health because there are three in health physical health physical safety mental health now you said you you're already talking to ects about mental health oh yeah a hundred percent like if you look at the education support research there are you know there's a high number of teachers leaving because they're saying their mental health is really struggling and they're really um you know they're not sure what to do about it and i think it goes back to the point nathan that we are selfless creatures and we do worry about other people before we worry about ourselves. But I think Kat Howard puts it really well in her book about, and Patrick Otterley on, on Twitter as well, put your own oxygen mask on. But we've come to a point where we need to teach people, adults themselves, about what mental health is and how to look after ourselves. And, you know, I've been leading this uh, wellbeing award at the school and I've had quite a few members of staff go to me, oh, you don't need to worry about me, I'll, I'll be all right, like, I'll get on with it. And I said, that's fine, but we're still going to have this conversation about what it is to be mentally healthy and look out for the signs and symptoms because I think mental health has become a big thing since the pandemic. I don't think anyone was talking about men our mental health, really. We spoke about the children's mental health, but we never spoke about our mental health. And again, if we're talking about a productive workforce you're going to get great output when people feel valued and feel mentally safe and psychologically safe to either make mistakes or to do some learning. But we are now at a point in our profession where we have to explicitly teach our teachers how to take care of themselves as well as others. Yeah, and of course you've got some, some people, it sounds like I would be one of those nightmare people for you where I'm saying like, no, no, I'll be okay, I'll be okay. And I'm actually probably one of the people who needs the most help 
and that you know that I do feel for people who are in these leadership roles. yeah and and you know you've got to think about mo- uh, movements like Movember it's the first time in five years that you know when I joined my school I said right we're going to do something about male mental health and it was small but we did something fun and the teachers got involved and the kids got involved and it just gets the discussion going and it makes that uncomfortableness you know about talking about something that I can't see I can feel it but I can't see it and it starts to make it unwind and get the children and staff thinking about what it means to actually be mentally safe psychologically safe and have and what it means to have a good mental health Nathan seems to disappear Nathan come back in I've just invited that to speak um, and hopefully Nathan is going to be able to um, come back um, without clearly some sort of connectivity issue. Um, if you have a question about getting staff well-being right, make sure that you do use the speech bubble in the bottom right-hand side to tweet along. Um, and you can also use the bottom left request button to request it as well. Nathan, back to you. Uh, yeah, hi, Tom. Sorry, I just uh, unplugged my phone there, but I'm back. Uh, and uh, yeah, sorry, I was... Uh, uh, running through our kind of different things we've talked about health we've talked about um physical health psychological health mental health um and one of the bits that we wanted to get onto next then one of these domains is about good work so nadir i'm going to run through these um so the first one in good work is about working environment and i guess we kind of talked about this a little bit it says uh ergonomically designed working areas open and inclusive culture is that something that, that jumps out as you as a teacher issue? Fundamentally, where we work, we should be able to be ourselves to a certain extent um, professionally. And having that open and inclusive culture is uh, imperative to our performance. Um, OK, so we're going to skip over working environment. Just, you know, like as I say, I think that's a small one for us. This one, though, I think is a big one, right? The next one in good work, so we've done health, we're on to good work, um, is good line management. Do you think there is an issue in education with line management when we talk about well-being? And don't forget, if you're listening into the space, you can join in as well by tweeting us or hitting that call-in button. A hundred percent. Your line manager and your line management does affect your... I think it affects your productivity because sometimes you look for support and sometimes if you don't have those opportunities to have that dialogue with somebody, whether it be a line manager, senior leader, middle leader, I think it really can affect you because it also, it allows them to take a like investment in you. That's what I see as like good line management. Um, and I don't think, I don't think anywhere in education teaches you how to line manage and now We've got this whole new, what I, well, what I call like a, a new development education is coaching and people trying to coach people so that they feel professionally valued and they have their personal growth. So, yeah. Hey, well, do you know what? Interestingly enough, further down on the list, and we will get through a few of these because I'm going to uh, work on, there is one about personal growth, a whole domain on personal growth that they pull out um, as, as an issue. But so good line management, we talk about work demands. Now, this uh, when I talk to people on Twitter, you know, this is something that comes up a lot when we talk about well-being. Work demands, um, is that a problem in teaching for you? For me personally, um, 
Or do you think? Sorry, maybe I should have reworded that. Yeah, well, yeah, it's work, yeah. workload. Workload is definitely an issue. Like, look at education sport. 70% of people leave education because of workload. So what? why are we not working systematically in schools? Why are we not sharing good practice and collaborating um, to prevent, you know, to, to prevent workload issues for teachers? Okay, now we're going to whiz through the rest of these because we have got a few other bits and pieces that I wanted to ask you about. So um, if we go through for the next ones, and of course, if you're listening in as well, uh, you know, some of these will jump out. You can say, like, is it high on your agenda or is it maybe uh, low on your agenda yep. as, as we go through? Right, so we've done um, this good work one, I think, is massive. Um, so we've done health, which was physical health, uh, physical safety, mental health. Good work, which was working environment, good line management, work demands autonomy is on there yep i would yeah. say high, high high priority high priority um change management so that's communication involvement and leadership yep definitely high priority and then pay and reward is the yeah. last one in this section i think we nationally we know that pay and reward is a is a definitely high priority for all teachers um, so we've, th- those are the first two of these domains that the um, CIPD put out, which is a professional body for HR, about things that people should be considering. Now, I'm going to whiz on to the next ones, um, but I'm going to whiz through these kind of a little bit at their broader level. Yep. So the, the next one uh, is uh, sort of a domain they talk about, about values and principles. So in here, we've got leadership, ethical standards, inclusions and diversity. Do you think there's a well-being issue in education around those? Is it something that you're working on specifically? I think there's a there's a there's a kind of issue with inclusion and diversity, uh, making sure that we're representative and making sure that we are looking at risk factors for certain employees. Um, you know, whether they be our you know disabled employees. You know, making sure we're making the reasonable adjustments and making sure that we want our classrooms to be inclusive, but we also want our uh, our colleagues to be included, regardless of any barriers. So inclusion and diversity would have an would have an impact on well-being. Yep. So they'd they, they'd be quite high. I'm going to run on to the next one. Then we've got this. They've termed as collective social. So, but I think this is kind of that broader bit. They talk about employee voice. They talk about positive relationships. So team working, healthy relationships, dignity and respect. Is that something that you think about in your role? I think earlier, Nathan, you said about good work. If we have mm. good work, then we have values and principles and we have collective and social uh, ish, uh, social domains in our work life because we are being communicated to and we are being we are building those relationships with the line managers so i think they're actually intertwined oh yeah oh, okay i think and i think there is some of these that merge between the next one i think you know is definitely something i've heard in education the last two are ones that i hear very little of in education so we're going to do this this fifth one it's called personal growth so is there career development, uh, positive relationships they talk about from an emotional point of view, um, lifelong learning, creativity, opportunities for that? W- would that be something you'd be looking for from someone on their wellbeing plan? Yeah, we know teachers want to feel valued and we know teachers want to develop, whether that be from an ECT to a middle leader, a middle leader to head of department, you know, sorry, a senior leader. We know personal growth contributes to wellbeing. And given the right opportunities and authentically given them as well. And I think just just without saying too much that like we, we know some schools have a culture where it's not authentic and it can be toxic. But if you invest in someone and you allow them to grow, grow and teachers should have a growth mindset, 
this is like the biggest, this is more than cupcakes. I don't want a cupcake. Yeah. I want you to invest in me and I want you to see how I can improve outcomes in your school. I, I really like it. I'm going to find that and clip that quote and, and, and maybe put it up somewhere because I love that, that as a quote. Um, now, these last ones then are things that I haven't heard about. So we're really interested if you've heard about things. Now, the, the, the first one um, is good lifestyle choices. They talk about physical activity and healthy eating. Now, I'm torn with this because I'm unsure whether I feel that's my employer's job to do that for me. Or whether I feel we, we start se stepping into with yoga clubs, you know, with things like this, or if we're stepping into kind of a different area, that kind of surface level stuff. What would be your thoughts on schools getting involved in people making good lifestyle choices? We know for children, good lifestyle choices need to be directed. But as adults, should we be responsible for our own lifestyle choices? To a certain degree, yes. But we also know that our productivity, our mindset can change when we belong and we are nurtured and looked after ourselves so I can say from a school in East London um, healthy eating club everyone enjoys a porridge and their free coffee which is sustenance and it keeps us going but not everybody enjoys enforced fun uh, not everybody wants to go to a walking club because they want to meet their daughter after school or they want to see their friend that they've not seen who's you know managed to get time off work so well-being for me wouldn't be about physical activity and enforced fun. Well-being for me would be, are we nourishing our staff so they've got a good day? Because, you know, I'm not a parent, but I know many other teachers who are parents who haven't had their cup of coffee in the morning. Just having a free coffee in the morning or be get, being able to get a bite to eat starts the day off well. Hey, you know, I, I think you're right. That, that enforced fun part is the bit that worries me about it is that, you know, I, I know that personally, you know, if I went to school and they told me, you know, we're not having an inset day today, we're all going to do yoga together. I would hate that. I, yeah. you know, for me, I would hate that. I know some people might enjoy that and some people want to kind of socialise at work and all of those things. But for me, I would hate that. And maybe that's where it needs to be that kind of more nuanced, like, uh, like choice and opt in and those kind of things. I think for me, I'm certainly more online with what you're talking about, where I want to feel valued. I want to be given opportunities. I want to have the chance to progress. All of those things are things that make me feel better more than a, a, a walking club at lunchtime, possibly. Yeah. Right. This last one. And, I, you know, I don't know. Maybe this is different schools. So if there are people listening in from different schools, uh, this is something they talk about financial well-being. And we will get onto teacher specifics after this because i've got lots of questions for you and, and for our listeners as well about what's going on in schools but they talk about financial well-being and this is from you know all uh, businesses they talk about this being part of well-being um fair pay and benefits policies retirement planning employee financial support and advice so debt counseling signposting to external sources all of these things is that something you hear about in education because i don't Financial well-being is something that I've been able that I've been privy to here as a senior leader on my team. And that's more about supporting your colleagues and supporting the whole school. Now, I know the specifics that we're talking about tonight is um, teacher well-being. But, hey, there's a whole load of people that make our jobs a hell of a lot easier. The cleaners, the reaper graphics people, the IT guys and financial employee financial support is something that you can get through the education support system if you buy into the education um, assistance program. And some schools do offer signposting and free advice 
for this and equally offer emergency funds if people are really experiencing something dire that, you know, they, they have to go and see their family, but they can't afford a ticket or they need to repair their boiler. You know, we've just gone through the cost of living crisis. And I can say that, you know, with confidence that a senior leadership team that discusses the cost of living crisis, not just for the children at the school, but for their employees and the people that they work for is one where you want to be and where schools should be moving towards. No, do you know, I think you raised some very valid points. And I think particularly, you know, with when we broaden out that kind of idea of well-being, I often hear it focused on teachers. I hear it less so focused on other staff as well. You know, what are we doing for our support staff, well-being, all of those things? Because often, unfortunately, I think in some schools, we'll say, right, we're going to do something for well-being. We're going to make it, let everyone have uh, bacon rolls for breakfast and so put extra work on our canteen and kitchen yeah. staff by doing that. Who won't get to eat it and have to do the washing up from it. But at least the, the teachers feel better. You know, maybe that does feel a little bit uh, two-sided. Um, right. I, I want to give a quick shout out just while we're in between our topics here to John Cat Education who help us out with these shows and you can visit them at johncatbookshop.com some amazing titles on there of course you've got their teaching walkthroughs you've got their in action series you've got their researched series but of course lots and lots on teaching and learning there why teach what the academy taught us what does it look like in the classroom a whole range of books there from johncatbookshop.com uh, go to their website follow them on twitter and uh, yeah, as I say, some amazing titles there from some amazing people. Now, um, Nadira, I wanted to ask now, because this is where a lot of this comes from and I'll, I'll focus on it. And I, I had completely forgotten about a part of this. But, you know, we talk about why well-being. Back in May 2021, the DfE published the Education Staff Wellbeing Charter for Schools. And I had forgotten that actually Ofsted signed up to that as well. Ofsted have made a teacher wellbeing pledge. You know, if you want to go and find what they said they do, by all means, go and see it. It's worth reading. If you're anything critical of Ofsted at the moment, go and see what they agreed to do about education staff well-being. But they talked about uh, creating a charter to highlight staff well-being in the education sector, a tool for schools and colleges to create and publicly commit to their own well-being strategies. Obviously, they've seen that there's an issue. Um, do you think these attitudes and approaches, and you've already alluded to this, over staff wellbeing have changed over the years? I definitely think that 2021 was a turning point for wellbeing and mental health because we had just come out of a horrible situation. And previously to 2021, I think I was one of the people that spoke about mental health um, with my colleagues and with my students. So I think the attitudes over the year have a hundred percent changed, but I don't think the backing is quite there. And by that, I mean Ofsted and the Department for Education can make these pledges and they can say, let's introduce senior mental health leads. But why have they put a pause on the green paper for mental health for young people? So for me, actions speak louder than words, really. Um, we can have a set of shared principles and understandings and we can educate people. But until we make sure all leaders are doing it and all leaders are doing it to a high standard, we're not going to overcome this problem of teacher recruitment and retention. Um, yes, we can send messages to everyone working in schools that their well-being matters, but we still have those leadership. We, we still have schools where leadership 
might not be so collaborative and visionary, but actually might be dictatorship-like. Um, we can aim to improve people's well-being in schools uh, and encourage a debate and encourage accountability. But who is looking at the people at the top? Who we account to? The leaders in the school. The leaders in the school are responsible to create the culture and ethos in a school that is welcoming. And I'm not, and again, I'm gonna really put this out really bluntly. It's more than cupcakes. It's more than a free breakfast. It's about authentic, wholehearted commitment to reducing workload, having clear systems and shared systematic practice, consulting your staff on their workload, you know, yeah. And having the odd bit of a cupcake and an opportunity to belong, but really, Really so, I would say that this needs to be more. This has only been in action for about two years, but how many schools have made a commitment to it? You know, I would be really interested to, to find that. You know, I, I will have a look through and see what, you know, if we can find the details, because I'm not sure that they've pulled it together as a, a, a specific of kind of who has and who hasn't, you know, whether it should be published or not on your website, like other things have to be published. Maybe there's something here. We've had a message in from uh, Paul Foz um, saying, today I've just finished one of the toughest teaching weeks I've ever had. Anything related to dealing with behaviour slash well-being would be helpful. I'd love to be a teacher again, as opposed to a prison guard slash cat herder slash bouncer. And I think yeah. that's what we hear from a lot of people, is that they don't want the cupcakes. They want school improvement in some form. And and so I'm interested in, in where you see those things sitting is there for you a difference between what gets done to make life easier to make teaching better to, you know and what gets done to improve well-being i think the both are intertwinable nathan if i am reducing someone's workload by making sure that paul doesn't have to be uh i don't know paul doesn't have to plan his lesson as well as being uh, doing something else that day you know the fact that his lesson has been co-created with his department and he's already intellectually prepared for it then maybe he can focus on behavior when you know there is a bit of at the moment unsteadiness in the air or whatever the children are experiencing at the moment if I can make if I can say to Paul oh actually yeah that kid really misbehaved let's put him in a centralized detention um, you know where you're not on duty then he can go home and the workload is shared. It's not making sure that Paul doesn't do his work. It's making sure that you have a agreed cohesion within the school, that we all stick together and we all support each other to make sure that we get people outcomes, but also to make sure that your most expensive resource, your teachers, your TAs, everyone is feeling safe and secure. And you can't, I don't think you can separate the two. I don't think it's about doing less work. I think it's about doing systematic work. I think it's about creating a culture of vulnerability, but also accountability. Now, I want to run through and, and so, uh, you know, I'll give where these are from. These, these are some of the suggested practical strategies schools can do to promote staff well-being. It's from the Anna Freud National Centre for Children and Families um, at mental, uh, mentallyhealthyschools.org.uk. Mm. Now, some of the things that they talk about doing, and I want to get your opinion on this and whether you've seen it work, you know, where... where or is something that you currently do so one of the ones they give uh, providing staff mindfulness relaxation and managing stress sessions how does that sit with you i think there is a duty on schools to show staff 
how to relax, but you can't enforce it. So it's a little bit like saying to your year 11s, hey, guys, you've got two weeks to revise for your exams. Here is a set of exam papers. Here is a set of this. I expect you to do this and I'll be having a look at it. I can't. Well, I can force them by giving them a detention, but that's not going to make them any more productive. The same with our staff. Talking to our staff as adults and saying to them, listen, our jobs are great and they're so purposeful and that we change lives and we increase social mobility and we make sure that there is so that children have a great life to a certain extent in our, in our, in our comfort, in our care. But we also need to take care of ourselves and here are some strategies and I can uh, nourish the workplace. Kimberly Evans has got a great book that I've read and based some CPD on. And I'm just reading this book about Stop Talking About Wellbeing by Kat Howard, which really put things into perspective for me in her book. Um, because she just talks about how we need to find our why. And yeah. I'm not sure if I've, if I've gone off the topic, but no, making no, sure no, that... You're ticking off quite a few of the other ones that are next down on their list as advice to do. So go yes. for it. So making sure we know our why is so, so important to our well-being. Um, but, yeah. Well, let, let me run through some of these other ones. So yeah. you've already kind of talked about this a little bit, which is offering resilience-based workshops here for staff to normalise the process about uh, speaking about well-being that's something you've already talked about yeah um, and another one here was uh, creating a sense of belonging in this to the school yeah I think that contributes to culture I think you have you have you, in any school if they're going to be successful and have staff retention it is the culture of the school now uh, there's a couple of other bits in here that I'd like to get your opinion on uh, you know because I find them I don't know they're, they're, they're slightly I, I don't know how I feel about them so yep. there's this one that says teacher appraisal, appraisal that is about encouraging and that concentrates on the praise aspect. Targets should be realistic and concentrate on raising standards for children and young people. And they go on to say further down, making staff recognition and praise a part of your school's culture, uh, setting aside regular time in slots in meetings to do this. Do we need to praise teachers more? Staff need gratitude at all levels. And as, as schools, I don't think we often thank our teachers for what they do. You know, how many, you know, how many people went to Paul today and said, Paul, you know what? Today was a tough day, but you held it in there, mate, and you did a really good thing. Because that is the turning point for someone to go, I've been recognised for what I've done. Gratitude, research shows gratitude really contributes to well-being, especially gratitude from the right place. I don't want to be thanked by um, a student. I want to be recognised by my leaders and my managers and I want it in a timely fashion because I am, as colloquially to say, busting a gut for these children and for the school and I want to do it, but I want the recognition. Schools are notorious and it's because of time constraints. And, you know, one of the things that I'll talk about later, some of the things I've implemented is an opportunity for gratitude, taking that thank a teacher day to termly outcomes where teachers get to thank other teachers and students get to thank teachers. And think about it, when you're having a bad day, what do you do? I often go to my box where I have all these cards that 
my year 11s had written to me in 2017 and my year 11s who contact me on LinkedIn now going, miss, I remember when you used to chase me down the corridor. Guess what I'm doing right now? I'm at Cambridge. And those are the moments I live for. We need to remind our staff and they need to be reminded about how valuable they are. Thanking teachers is absolutely integral to the productivity and valuing people. And it also comes with the fact that you're investing in them, their development, and they are who we want. But you also need to recognise people, just like we recognise students. Well, there's something you said there that I really like the sound of. And it was this this term, because I think it was the praise element in there that, that, that got to me. It's the grat- the way you said, that, you know, this gratitude, not not praise. There, there's something in that that I really like the sound of that, 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 that kind of gets to the nub of it for me, where it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's not about just praise for praise sake. It's not yeah. about just, you know, a star of the week, which I'm very cynical of. You know, even when my son comes home with star of the week, I'm like, okay, so it was, it was your turn, was it? You know, like the actual gratitude, I think, is something that is, you're right, sorely missing sometimes. Yeah. Now, I'd be interested because, you know, like, are there things that you specifically set out to do with well-being support for your staff that I've, that I've missed off the list there? Uh... I think the the biggest thing that I think I've done in my role is creating a sense of belonging, recognising staff is definitely something that I've created in my role, um, but also speaking to leaders and going, hey, did you notice that uh, so-and-so, that Nathan, he had an absolutely top lesson the other day, like, uh, go and thank him, um, you know, or Nathan did extra duty, you know, we had loads of people off of the COVID. I think... Increasing that dialogue is something that I've done. I have done what people may describe as the gimmicky things, but that's because it's never happened um, in the time that I've been there and people wanted an opportunity to connect. So, yes, we have had enforced fun, but enforced fun in a way that everyone got involved. Um, Yes, we have done co-collaboration. One of the biggest things I I think I'm still working on, and I've already mentioned it, um, Nathan, is male mental health and destigmatizing mental health. I work in an area which is um, uh, predominantly South Asian. And, you know, I come from a South Asian background myself and mental health isn't something that you talk about. And mental health can also have very much negative connotations, depending on how you translate it. It can mean that you're crazy in some, in some South Asian cultures. It can also mean that you're possessed and trying to de-stigmatise and doing the work with parents as a community is also really important because we can talk about it all we want at school, but those children do return home to parents who don't necessarily understand it or have their own views on it. So holistic work needs to happen. It can't just happen with the teachers and the students. It needs to also happen with the parents. You know, I find that incredibly interesting and baffle. You know, I don't I don't think I necessarily hear about people when we're talking about well-being that's spreading it out into the community, changing because as you say, you know, some of our young people might be picked be picked up by grandparents in primary school, you know, at, at the school gate, who who maybe haven't heard these messages or haven't been part of the culture change to to change, you know, our, our understanding of the importance of staff well being and mental health. You know, that's a really powerful message, I think. Um, Now, I want to kind of end this off and, you know, feel free if you're listening in, tweet us in some of your examples. I'm going to pick on a local authority. okay? and they shall remain unnamed. okay? because I don't you know, I don't want to pick on anyone in particular. But these are this is our next little part is advice from local authority. 
a local authority unnamed. I want to know what you think of them. If you're listening in and you want to give us any critique of these things, um, will it work? Won't it work? What are the pitfalls? What do you think? So here, here they are. Um, uh, some of the schools have implemented for staff well-being. So the first one here, uh, staff well-being uh, training, including information about the importance of staff well-being for pupils' strategies to help staff build their own well-being toolkit. Sounds good. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, I would say, again, it's about making sure people have the right information. So building your own kind of well-being toolkit, is, it sounds good. Sounds good. Okay, here's the next one for you. Uh, a well-being working group where a small group of staff meet regularly to discuss well-being, some ways to promote this in the school. Yeah, so we call them like well-being champions. So people who will be, it's a little bit like having what we what we put in student voice, having a staff voice. Hmm. I bet you, might... you I, I haven't accidentally picked your local authority then. I think I'm just, no, no, I've just checked. No, no, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, okay. So, you know, that's something that someone could go back from this to their school and say, hey, could we have a working group on staff well-being if there isn't one there already? Yeah. Um, uh, can I be part of it? Can I be involved? Now, here's one. Staff social events, such as going out for an evening meal or school coffee and catch-up and summer barbecues. I think that's what we we talked about in terms of, like, enforced fun. Um, don't get me wrong. Uh, our head teacher is very generous and puts on a staff party at the end of the summer term and a nice Christmas lunch. And you're free to go to it and you're free to not go to it. Because, again, people have different priorities, whether you're going to catch a flight or you're going to go and see your grandparents or you want to pick up your child from school. Like you can't force people to do things they don't want to do. Yeah, you know, and I think that's what worries me is when you hit at that level, if you're not doing the other stuff, it's kind of like the icing on the cupcake for me. You know, a few of those things thrown in, you know, a few donuts in the staff room, all of that stuff on top. But if you're not addressing some of these more serious kind of issues, mm. you know, I, I don't know what it's going to achieve beyond probably adding, making people feel a little bit worse in some cases. Or, you know, we did have some tweets coming in where people were saying, you know, they it was almost insulting the, the the small effort of like we've just passed off stead here have a donut yeah it was almost in, insulting in a way because um it, it was such a small gesture i think what you need to think about is teachers are time poor so where leaders can give teachers time that's more valuable than putting a donut in their mouth or you know making sure that they're there for ofsted and you've bought them a whole load of pizza and they need to stay behind no, the pizza needs to be available if people want to stay behind, but it's not the culture. It's it's not the culture going, oh, we expect you to stay behind. And that's what the difference is in well-being, because you can get schools where they, you know, you have to stay and you have to join in yoga club and you have to come to the lunch. But actually, that's not helping anybody. We need to make sure that our staff have autonomy and are accountable and are being productive. And the best way to do that is shared systematic practice and taking away the gimmicks of more than cupcakes okay here's our next one then and you know interesting because this is one that i've been thinking about a lot although not in these term terminology they say staff drop-ins to provide staff with an opportunity to share and discuss any concerns so i would say i'm not sure what that sounds like that's that would for me sound like something that could go to the working group or designated people but it also sounds like to me 
about having a open dialogue with the people that you work with. I wouldn't just say staff drop-ins. I would say that if there is a concern, we encourage people to talk to us at all levels. I see. Because, you know, when I read it, I was thinking about things like supervision, you know, or mental health support. I know some schools are doing that, where they might have a, you know, a mental health nurse who's working in where you can go in and discuss. I was thinking more about broader concerns, but you're right. If, if you're, you know, if it was around work, you've got to get to the right people who can help you. Yeah, you? I wouldn't, I, I didn't see it as supervision. I think supervision is incredibly important. And obviously as a deputy DSL and the senior mental health lead, uh, you know, we get that, but I would, that's about my well-being, and that's about make the school making it available. I would have worded that as making sure there's supervision available for staff yeah. who are working with the most vulnerable. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Okay. So, um, flexible approach to family events is on there. This is a really hard one for education, isn't it? Mm. Because, again, I don't have a family, but I've heard staff say, "Oh, I wasn't able to go to my child's." nativity play or the summer play or the sports day and we're a caring profession and actually I think I don't know exactly what the statistics are but a lot of the teachers especially in secondary schools are female and I think that's something that needs to be worked on about flexible approaches especially in light of the pandemic but I'm not sure as a nation we're there yet or even as a you know this local authority seems to have it have some insight into this because this is going to contribute to someone's well-being like you said you you didn't go to the doctors because you thought it's going to cause a big fuss because you know putting the cover in putting the request in you might as well just go to work get over and done with but it's your first it's your kid's first nativity it's your child's first recital it's your child's first day at nursery you don't want to miss those moments because we're a part of those moments for other children yeah so why would yeah. we miss it for our own children? And education needs to factor that in. Yeah, I think that's a really hard one. And I, you know, I, I hear of schools that have done it well, but also, you know, I think there is an issue around staff who maybe don't have those family connections yet, or you know, are um, have, through choice have, have decided not to have children, or for whatever reason, it, you know, that isn't something that they do because you can then get all this perceived unfairness and yes. how you kind of level that out, you know, for all staff. Um, that everyone is, is 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 kind of treated with a fair hand. I think that is a really tough one to work out how to do. Um, the last ones on here are um, staff treats, e.g. a treat box or a chocolate fairy. Uh, healthy living, well-being. <laughs> Gimmick? <laughs> chocolate fairy, gimmicky, but at the right time. Um, you know, I, I, won't, I will say that I buy a Cadbury selection box for everybody including non-teaching staff at Christmas and that's probably the only time I buy it um, but that comes with the whole line managers thanking people teachers thanking people and you know people don't feel like it's a it's it's something from the school it's not from uh, anybody individually uh, can be perceived gimmickly but done in the right way uh, with everything else, like systematic shared practice, shared workload, dialogue, can be seen as contributing to well-being. Well, th this is why you've been so helpful to me, because my biggest issue at the moment is, you know, I work in a very kind of challenging uh, 
environment. And I, I know that staff debt well-being is something that I want to approach, but I've always been one of these people who, who does staff well-being through food, you know. And, and I, I am frequently told then that, you know, no, we're coming up to summer, everyone's on diets, I can't do that. And I need a different approach. And I, you know, I've taken so much from this conversation with you. Yeah. It's been incredibly helpful. Now, I, you know, I am conscious that we do need to finish up because later on tonight, on Twitter Spaces, if you're listening here at 7.30, we've got education tonight where people can join back to discuss the you know the topics of the day in education but for the people who are listening and you know it's been very um you know very helpful i will say having you on nadira what, what would you like listeners to take away you know one thing they could take away tonight that would improve well-being at their school tomorrow um it, you know or something that they could take to, to to talk about when they get back after easter ask someone how are they and listen not are you okay? How are you? And be the change you want to see because it's going to start small. That is, a, you know, thank you. Uh, you know, and, and uh, so many useful quotes. I've seen them going out on Twitter. Your notifications, I'm afraid, will be going off the wall. Thank um, you. And all of these quotes have been coming out because it has been really interesting. Uh, don't forget, if you're listening live or you've just joined us, um, you will be able to hear this. Listen back on Twitter. It'll be there as a Twitter space for the next 30 days at least. Um, but I want to say a big thank you for coming on and sharing your time with us. No, thank you. And thank you for allowing me to share good practice. And I'm really hoping that anyone listening out there, and if you want to chat, please DM me. But I just want to say, don't think you're alone. We're a whole profession together. And we can do this together, regardless of the adversities that we face. Fantastic. Thank you. Well, uh, from me here in uh, Swansea, it's Nostar from here on Teachers Talk Radio. Join us a little bit later, 7.30, Education Tonight. Uh, we'll be here again on Twitter Spaces. Thank you, Tom HB, for uh, running the admin on the space. Uh, and uh, we'll see you all next time. Good night. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.